0: Welcome to the Ninja Catholic Podcast. I streamer myself, Adebulu Cornelius, and you're about to listen to the second public debate between Reverend Father Ojeifo and Reno Omokri on the topic Is it right to pray to images or with images? And special thanks goes to our Mrs.
1: Onyeka, for moderating this debate, for being the host of the debate. Perhaps you've not subscribed to the podcast, kindly do so so that you can receive notifications whenever episodes like this drop. Once again, I thank Father Ojeifo for giving me the opportunity
0: to post these debates on the podcast for everyone to listen. And I'm sure you would enjoy this wonderful debate, intellectual as usual. So sit tight and enjoy yourself.
2: My name is Onyeka Onwenu, and uh, I'm the moderator for this event, let me start quickly uh, by introducing, and you all know him, Reverend Ojefo, who is a Reverend of the Roman Catholic Church, and our other panelists, Reno Omokri, perhaps the foremost uh, social critic in Nigeria and a major commentator on major issues that affect us, and my humble self. So what we're going to talk about today is, is it okay to pray with images or to pray to angels? Let me give you a little hint uh, that I was baptized in the Catholic Church in the 90s. I was fascinated by the church. I had covered the visit of um, uh, Pope John Paul II, and I was fascinated uh, with the church. And I joined and I got baptized and I have a book that is out, and in that book, there's a testimony about the adoration of of, of the sacrament and what came out of it. Very interesting piece uh, to read. I will show you the book uh, as we go in, but right now, I'd like us to get into the meat of the matter. This is a very interesting uh, subject that a lot of people have questions about. So straight to you, uh, Reverend Father. Please, uh, you take on for uh, take on the mic for seven and a half minutes and then we'll go to reno thank okay.
1: you thank you so much thank you so much um permit me to call you by your first name i want everybody i want to, i would be happy to call everyone by their first name and i'm happy to be called by my first name too please please go ahead all right okay thank you so much Onyeka. i'm so happy to meet you and thank you reno for um calling for this second um meeting yeah okay but let me know when my seven and a half minutes expires okay will do all right okay Thank you. So the the question, the topic for discussion this um, day is: um, is it right to pray with or to images? And that's that's a very important question for us who are Catholics. And the question is rightly framed and requires the answer that says no, it is not right to pray to images because images are representations. They are they are representations. They are. A likeness of an original thing with a certain difference is not the exact reproduction of the original, but an image expresses something. It's 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 what the image represents, is the people that the images represent that we actually pray to, not to the image that is standing in front of me. The image, like every like the, the photograph that I have or the photographs that I can see behind Reno's background. These are images of people that he holds um, dear to his heart, people that he cherishes, people that he loves. And because he wants to constantly keep their memory in mind, whether they are still alive with him or whether they are dead, we create pictures, we create images, we save them so that we can have some emotional and mental connection with the people who are so dear to us. And I think that the same logic applies in the spiritual life. The logic that applies to the natural life, to biological life, it's the same logic that applies to the spiritual life too. So images for us who are Catholics is a representation. They represent people, the people that, that we want to establish a spiritual and an emotional connection with. Because every religion has a spiritual side, but also has a, a, a mental side, has an emotional side. Every religion has a psychological side. Every religion has a social side. And all of these different gamuts or aspects of religion are supposed to appeal to a human person who is finite, but who wants to connect with infinite realities. So there's a there's a gulf between us and the world of transcendence. And that is what every religion tries to bridge, to bridge the gap between time and eternity, between the now and the hereafter, because we cannot see God face to face. So we can have some connection to God. We can have some connection to the people who are important in our faith, in our journey of faith, and in our own spiritual life. So images are meant to help us establish that connection, that emotional side of religion. So the question is, should we pray? Is it right to pray to an image? For me, that already raises the question about an understanding of prayer. For us who are Catholics, a simple definition of prayer is the raising up of our minds and our hearts to God. So two things are important in that simple definition of prayer, raising up of your mind, meaning your senses, your thinking faculty, but also the raising up of your heart, which is the emotional side of every person, raising up of your heart to God, establishing that connection between a finite human being and an infinite God transcendent god linking the world of transcendence and the world of immanence. so mm-hmm. pray whether it's to an image whether it's whether it's to god whether it's to a saint whether it's to a holy person the word pray- prayer simply means to beg to make a request to ask to appeal to plead to supplicate or to beseech now so and there are different prepositions that are, can be attached to the word to pray. You can either pray to, that means, okay, in the sense that I say, I pray to God, or I pray to the saints. You can pray for, meaning that I can pray for someone who asks me to present their intentions or their petitions to God, or I can pray for something. I can pray with, meaning I can pray with my Bible. I am in the mood of prayer, and I am praying with my Bible, reading the Word of God. I can pray about Meaning, I am praying about a request, about a need, or about an intention. I can pray in, meaning I that's the location. I can pray in my church. I can pray in my room. I can pray in my home. So that's about the location of prayer. I can pray like, meaning that I can have a model of prayer, and I can have an example of prayer. For instance, Jesus, when he was teaching the Lord's prayer, said to his disciples, when you want to pray, pray like this. So... The Our Father becomes a model of prayer. So I can pray like in the words of the Lord's prayer, in the words of the Our Father. So these are different prepositions to prayer. They are so important because um, it is connected to the topic. So should we pray mm-hmm. to an image? No, we pray to God. We pray to the saints, but we are not praying to the image that is standing before us because the image cannot talk. The image cannot see. The image cannot hear, but the image is standing as a representation. The same way that I can hold so dear to my heart, the picture of my grandmother. And I am talking to the photograph, but I am not talking to the photograph. I'm talking to the person represented by the photograph because the photograph of my grandmother held dear to my chest doesn't, it's not, it's not her, her, it's her image, but it's her, but it's not her. And that's how. Yeah. So. It's my okay. Time rever- All
2: right. Because we have such little time. um You okay. said so much, and it, it's really uh, revelatory what what you've said and the misunderstanding that we've had about the Catholic Church. Oh, they are always bowing down to statutes, and you've clarified a lot of things. But I'm sure that many questions will come to you. I certainly have one. Okay. But let me move on quickly to Renault Omokri and hear his side. Renault.
0: Okay, well, um, thank you all for listening. And I listened very well to um, Catholic Reverend Ojefo, and um, he started out as saying that uh, the logic behind this, and he explained the logic, I'm quoting him, and he said that the logic behind that was to establish an emotional connection. And, um, you know, it says that um, the images we are not praying, or rather Catholics are not praying to these images, uh, rather, they are praying to God, but they're using these images to create an emotional connection. Is that correct, Reverend? Yeah, that's what I said, yeah. Here's the thing, because you see, the word itself, logic, is is not meant to uh, feature in prayer, because prayer is a spiritual thing. So it's a spiritual thing, and then when we're praying, and then we're trying to make logic, you know, like it's counterintuitive. Because I'll give you a very good example, you know, um, we, we are praying is an act of faith faith and logic you know there is i mean there are two different components of uh, of of human understanding and human uh, uh life so when you say that yeah, you're trying to establish an emotional connection you know you're not your emotions you know i'll give you a very good example in john chapter 4 christ said that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now look at that word worship. Prayer is the chief component of worship. It's a chief component of worship. So the first and most important thing about uh, worship is prayer. And then you have praise and then you have veneration. So you have to understand that. So I'll give you um, a very good example. You said that um, those pictures and the images and whatever you call them, they stand as a representation now you know the um the the title of this debate is that should we pray to and with or should we pray to or with images so when you're using images as an emotional connection there is nothing in scripture that supports that nothing in scripture that supports that and when you're using photos as um, uh, to make an establish to establish an emotional connection, there is nothing in scripture that is that you know that uh, uh, supports that. Now, if you read scripture, if you read Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, you know, and these are the 10 commandments, and mind you, they are called 10 commandments, they are not called 10 suggestions. What it says is that you shall not make an image of anything under the heavens, in the earth, and under the earth. So, you shall not make an image at all. Talk less of using that image to make an emotional connection. I'll talk less of the, of the logic behind images you, sh- you shall not make an image at all you know, as a matter of fact you know um when the children of israel were in the desert in the wilderness they were they had a plague where uh, of snakes they had been disobedient to god and so there was a punishment and then when they cried out to god via moses uh god asked moses to create uh like a snake and which is what we use today as the modern image of uh the me- of the medical profession. Medical now, that image is actually called Nehushtan. Nehushtan. Well, that image is called Nehushtan. Now, when the children of Israel began to use Nehushtan as an emotional connection to God, when they decided to work with the logic, <laughs> now has just described to us, what happened? God commanded them to destroy that image. You read that in 2 Kings 18, verse 4. In 2 Kings 18, verse 4, that image, Nehushtan, was destroyed. Now, if you, because, when, it's, I don't only talk about things that I've studied, you know. I, yes, I'm an ordained minister, you know, I've gone to some form of uh, formal training, but I don't rely on that. I study scripture, I study them in the original languages, and I travel, I go for research purposes. One of the places i this visited, I've traveled to Ephesus, in modern-day Turkey, is now called Ephesus. Now, when I got there, and there's a video of it, you can see it on YouTube, it's also on my social media page. I was taken to the temple of Diana. And then you can read about the temple of Diana in Acts chapter 19, verses 13 or 28. There was a gentleman called Demetrius. Demetrius, Now, this gentleman, Demetrius, was a maker of images of Diana. And then when I went to Ephesus, you know, I was shown an image of Diana. Now, if you place an image of Diana and then an image of the Madonna, you can't tell the difference between them. They are virtually one and the same. I'm not saying that they are the same, but they are so similar. And you begin to see that Paul, when he was in Ephesus, he preached against that. He preached against those images. You don't need them. You don't need them. If you see In Mark, chapter 12, verse 16, Mark, chapter 12, verse 16, Christ asked for a coin. The name of that coin is a denarii. And then he said, whose image and superscription is on this denarii? And they told him, Caesar. Now, what does that tell you? That means that, I, I, I mean, in the days of Christ, they had the technology to have images. Yet Christ never prayed to an image, never encouraged or instructed his disciples to pray to an image, never told them to make an emotional connection as a matter of fact. And as I've said before in John chapter four, he told them God is a spirit. So you are meant to make only a spiritual connection, not an emotional connection, a spiritual connection to, to God. You, you have one minute to round okay. up so that we can get a rebuttal. So, okay. So. okay. So you see now, when you begin to use images in prayer, there's no, how you are a human being. You are looking at these images you are going to form a connection to the image. And the Reverend has already said so, an emotional connection. God does not want that. Christ died for us to have a direct relationship with God. You don't need it's You don't need angels. You can go directly to God. God is a spirit. And Job 32, it says, there is a spirit in a man, the breath of the almighty that gives him inspiration. That spirit in you connects to God. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, My goodness, this topic
2: is such an explosive one. And I don't know if we can do justice to it just in this session. But what quickly came to my mind was the cloth of uh, Turin, that the image of Christ supposedly is left on it. This was the cloth that was used to wrap him up when he was buried. And when it was now removed, the image of the crucified Christ was on it. There's still some controversy about whether it's real or not. There's also the handkerchief that Veronica used. To wipe his face when he was going through his ordeal and again his face came out on that so the images are there claimed by some to be the images of the face of our lord jesus christ let me have because this is such a heavy and very important topic let me go back to the reverend to see if he can there were some points that you raised reno that were vital let's see if he can quickly uh uh talk about those
1: thank you the so reverend. much thank you okay um um, Renan says that um, logic is contrary to the spiritual life. Prayer is supposed to be a spiritual thing, and logic is contrary to it. He made mention of John chapter four, where he says God is a spirit, and those who worship God will have to worship Him in spirit and in truth. He quoted Exodus chapter four, the commandments: do not create any image. He spoke about Paul in ephesus preaching against image. He says Christ died for us, and there's no need for. It. He wants us to have a direct connection to to God here. Yeah. And I will go on to show why Jesus Christ Himself is an image. How would you have known about God if Jesus Christ did not come into the world? So, from Jesus Christ, we have an image of who God is. But that, that, thats an issue that I will address. But with the statement he made that, that that I think that I want to really address, and which for me seems to capture everything he has said, is where he said that nothing in Scripture supports the making of images. I have more than fifty biblical passages that I want to cite for this session and um so the first thing i want to say that the first image ever made in the bible was made by god himself genesis chapter 1 verse 26 let us make man in our own image in our own image and likeness and this is god saying it so the first image ever made and that's why we call the human person imago dei an image of god that comes from the latin language Im simply means negation ego means the eye but it has an Indo-European root. The word imago has an Indo-European root that says that this is about something that is emulated, an imitation of something, a copy of something. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, we're told that God took some soil from the ground and formed man out of it. That man who was formed out of soil was an image. If God had not given him the breath of life, he would have still been a lifeless image. But when God infused the breath of life into that soil, into the mold he made from the soil, that being, that image, that statue, whatever you want to call it, sprung up and became, became a human person. It came to life because God infused the breath of life. So the first image ever made in the Bible was made by God. And that helps us to connect with what St. Paul was saying in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, where he says, jesus christ is the image of the invisible god meaning that when we see jesus christ who is the image of the invisible god we come to see that god that we cannot see which is the connection i am talking about that god is invisible you cannot see him if jesus christ didn't come into the world he would never know about god so paul is telling us in colossians 115 that jesus is the image of the invisible god but if you go to hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 we hear the author of the letter to the hebrews telling us that jesus reflects the brightness of god's glory and is the perfect copy some translation says exact likeness of god's nature sustaining the universe with his powerful word so jesus christ is the perfect And an so that I can copy. an image is a copy of something and hebrews tells us that jesus is the perfect copy of god's image So what I'm simply saying here is that the first image created man was made. The second image, Jesus Christ, was begotten by God, not made. And that's why for us to have access to God we need to go through Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. But I will stop here All because right. I have several Reno, Testament passages that I want you. to cite. Thank you. Because
2: Reno has Reno has to give his own rebuttal, and then I perhaps we're going to take questions from uh, from
1: the audience. I will wait.
2: All right, <laughs> Reno, over to you. This is hot and this is interesting. Please. Well, <laughs> thank uh, you.
0: But the you talked about the uh, shroud of Turin, and you talk about Veronica. Veronica doesn't exist in scripture. You know when um um uh, catholic uh, brethren and you know like i also have a catholic background you know a lot of catholics are brought up to think that veronica exists in scripture veronica doesn't exist exist in scripture even the name veronica itself it's a made-up name you know veronica means something and i i know the um the uh, catholic uh, reverend father knows the meaning of the word veronica i went to via de la rosa in jerusalem i went there myself to investigate um veronica That incident is what they call apocrypha. You know, it's unverified. It's not in scripture. Then also the shroud of Turin. The shroud of Turin is extra biblical. It's extra scriptural. It has nothing to do with scripture. You know, these are things that, you know, like um, existed in medieval Europe. They are claims. Now, going back to images. Now, I agree with what Reverend said, you know, and I've, I've written about this several times before. You know, man is an image. You know, we created in the image and likeness of God. I didn't say that there are no images. What I said is that scripture does not support the act of using images as a guide to prayer. That's what I said. Images are are abound in scripture. But when you begin to use images as a guide to prayer, then it's no longer an image. It turns to an idol. And once you have an idol, that is, it is paganism. Now we don't want that at all. Now these ideas, these ideas, they existed in uh, the Roman empire and they were incorporated into Catholicism on that uh, um, beginning from Constantine. So what I'm saying is that let us stick to scripture. Let's stick to scripture. We don't want to start making up rules outside scripture, whether they are by sacred traditions of the Catholic church or anything. No, let's stick with scripture. Let's stick with what Christ taught us. Now, You know, uh, the Reverend talked about, you know, like um, images, you know, like, and then he gave that reference. He talked about um, Christ being the image of the invisible God. Yes, Christ is the image of the invisible God. But when he was on earth, the Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, prayed to that invisible God. His disciples joined him in praying to that invisible God. The disciples did not stare at Je- Yeshua, which is his real name. I really don't like that name, Jesus. His real name is Yeshua. They did not stare at Yeshua to pray to the living God. Just like they saw Yeshua praying to the living God, they also pray to the living God. So why can't we behave and act and be imitators of Christ? Why must we come up with these rules and say, okay, yes, um, we are not praying to these images, but we are praying, praying to God and we're using these images as an emotional connection. That's just what I'm saying. You know, we, you know, I mean, we have to understand scripture says 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is useful for reproof, for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness. So that's it for doctrine. Where do you see that being done in scripture? The only times when you see where you see that being done in scripture is where idols, worshippers, pagans were doing that, and they were rebuked by yeshua himself his disciples and then in the old testament by the prophets thank you
2: um that's more interesting by the minute are we able to take questions from the audience uh the technical people who are managing this please let me know i will just like to add something uh to this debate the issue of praying to angels doing novena to the mother of, of, of Jesus, doing novena to St. Joseph and all those things. Should we, are we asking them to ask God on our behalf? Are we asking them to intercede or are we praying directly to them? Because we should not worship, the, there's a the celestial church, they worship angels. We should not worship angels. Maybe my understanding is limited here and I want some clarification in that direction. I have, I know I have a guardian angel and I've felt his presence around me in times when I'm in serious trouble. But those are agents of my Lord. Those are agents of God that are sent to guide and protect me. And I don't pray to them and say, do me this favor or do me that favor. I can thank God for them for having them around me for doing the job which they were created to do which is to guide and to protect reverend i think this All goes right. to you
1: okay thank you thank you so much i will take off your question but um i want to pick three statements from the reply of reno one he says veronica does not exist in scripture veronica is a made-up name um, um, yes, Verenka does not exist in scripture. The same way that Reno does not exist in scripture. Emmanuel Ojeifo does not exist in scripture. Nyeka Weno does not exist in scripture. But can we say because somebody's name is not in scripture, they never existed? The people who ex- who, who came into the world after or even during the time of Jesus Christ were all their names recorded in scripture. Does everybody who lived in the world of Jesus' time, do they have their names in Scripture. But are we going to dispute the historical fact of their existence because Scripture doesn't mention their name? But that's just to answer that first question. The second one, he says, Scripture does not support the use of images as a guide to prayer. And then he says, let's stick to Scripture let's stick with what Christ taught us. And I'm saying, that is what I'm here for. I am here to stick to scripture. I've never mentioned the word tradition in all that I'm saying today. I want to stick with the Bible, the word of God. So let me, let's me let go back to Exodus chapter 20, verse one to five, where God gave the people of Israel a command, the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone. And the first commandment says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Worship no other God except me. The second one, do not make any graven image. Do not bow down to any idol or worship. So you raise the question about worship. There is only one being who is worthy of worship. And that being is God alone. No other person is worshipped outside of God. God is the one who is deserving of worship. Every other spiritual being may be venerated, may be honored, but never worshipped. Only God is deserving of worship. So I just wanted to clear that. So whether it's the about give, giving of the Ten Commandments, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, 6 to 9, you find this again. I'm sorry that our session here will not afford me the opportunity to read every Bible passage, but I want to list them out and then make a general statement about them. You read Exodus chapter 25 from verse 1 to verse 9, where God commanded Moses to tell the Israelites to make offerings of things, gold, ringlets, all kinds of things, for the fashioning of the sacred tent during their journey from Egypt to the promised land. And the Bible constantly tells us that God told them to do, they did all of this according to the plan that God said, I will show you. Go to Exodus 25, 10 to 22, read from verse 18 to verse 20 about the making of the covenant box and the two winged creatures that God gave a command to be put on the covenant box, the two cherubs right. that fashioned the images that they put on those cherubs. But that's the box of the covenant, which is the symbolism of God's presence with these people on their journey, 40-year journey through the wilderness. Go to Exodus 26, 1 to 2, where God told Moses to embroider the covenant box with figures of winged creatures. Go to Exodus 32, verse 1 to 6, about the golden calf. Why God was angry with the making of the golden calf. It was because Israel says. This golden calf that we have fashioned, this was when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to collect the commandments. And the people brought out their earrings, their trinkets, all their bangles and everything, gave to Aaron to make a golden calf for them. And they said, This is our God. They were sent to that golden calf. This is our God who brought us out of the land of Egypt, the calf that we made from your own earrings. So go to mm-hmm. Exodus 33 19 to 20. Moses broke the two stone tablets. And then in verse 23, Aaron said that the people asked me to make a God for them to lead them. Go to Psalm 115, verse 2 to 8, where it is said that about the idols of the pagans, they have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have ears, they cannot They have nurses, but they cannot smell. Their makers will come to be like them. You find the same reproduction of that um, statement in Psalm 135, 15 to 18. Go to Deuteronomy 4, 15 to 21, about the warning about idolatry. The Lord your God has given these idols to all other peoples for them to worship. But you, he rescued you so that you worship him alone. I want to get a context for all of this. Go to the Shema Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, where it says, O Israel: The Lord our God is one God, and the Lord is the one you must worship. But in verse 8, it says, Tie this, tie this this commandment, tie it on your arms. amulets. Wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Put them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Go to Deuteronomy 12, 29 to 32. There's still the warning about idolatry. When I have one minute, tell me, please, so that I use that one minute. I, uh, you do have that one minute yeah. now. Thank okay. you. All right. Okay. Because so, we would like and so to take go 2 Samuel 6, 1 to 2. That the. Is- the covenant box bearing the name of the Lord God Almighty has two winged creatures on it. And then, First Kings chapter eight verse six, that covenant box was brought into the temple of the Lord. There are other Bible passages. Go to, but even the 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 the, the um the whole um the the episode of the making of the bronze serpent when the people were complaining yeah. on their journey, and yeah. then God used fairy serpent to whip them, and then yes. asked Moses to make make a bronze serpent and put it on a standard, so that anyone who sees it. So the whole point mm-hmm. of the commandment about do not make images is, God knew that the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, where they were mystery religions of people who worshipped images and idols. He says you should not be like them. Not be right. like. Let's
2: let, let's finally, yeah, the, Reverend, thank you so much. You, we, we, you you've spoken for quite some time. I need to be fair to uh, okay. your opponent, quote-unquote, okay. and let him have a, a final uh, say before we go to the uh, questions. That is, okay. if he wants to add something or answer to some of the issues you've raised, Mr. Reno or please.
0: Well, at the risk of repeating myself, you know, I've said it before that images do exist in Scripture. There's no argument about that, and so we shouldn't be talking about where we're in agreement. Images do exist in Scripture, and I can even quote more Scriptural verses, you know, than um, Catholic Reverend has quoted. I can even quote them in the original languages. But what I'm saying there is that nowhere in Scripture are those images to be used as prayer aids are those images to be used as prayer guides now one of the things he mentioned was where god said that bind them about the tablets of your um clothes and then about your head yes scripture itself he said as a reminder as a reminder that's the word and i'm glad he used that scripture itself is a reminder you know prior to when the, the time scripture was written people used to memorize scripture it's a reminder Joshua 1, it's, it says that uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your heart, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you shall observe to do all that it says. It's a reminder, but it's not meant to for you to, okay, you put an angel and then you begin to look at the angel and put a candle or you put a statue of Mary. First and foremost, we don't even know what Mary looks like. I went to um, the house that Mary lived in with uh, John. I went to that house. And then there's, there's no image. We don't know what Mary looks like. Now, if you read scripture, you know that the thing that Satan loves the most is worship. Now, we don't know what Mary looks like. What if, you know, Satan inspires somebody to, to create an image like him and call that image Mary, and then we are using that image as a guide to prayer. I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't know what, 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 what Mary looks like. That, that image that you are calling Mary could very well be Satan. I'm not saying it is. So we don't need it at all. We don't need images. We don't need to um, to, to do any of that. We just pray. And then in response to what um, the elegant stallion said, you know, about angels, if you read the book of Revelations 22, we begin from verse 8 to verse 9. Now, this is not even on earth. This is in heaven. In Revelations 22, 8 to 9, you know, John was taken in the spirit to heaven. And then he had a tall guy in heaven, which was an angel. And then so he was in awe of that angel and he began to venerate that angel. What did the angel tell him? Don't do it. Don't do it. I am a servant like you. When Christ was on earth, you can read it in the book of Mark. You know, his mother and his brothers, they came to him. You know, and then the people who were there told him, your mother and your brother and your sisters are out there. And he says that, Who? Uh, my mother and my brother, and my sister. Anybody who does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and my So Christ himself was not even giving veneration to his mother more than like, uh, um, yes, he respected that she was mother, but he was not giving veneration. She had no part to play in his ministry in terms of, now I'm not saying she had no part to play in his ministry. They, you know, when they called the woman who ministered to him at the end, she was there. But he had no part to play in his ministry as an evangelist, as uh, somebody who was a uh, leading prayer or who was, no. You know, so we should as much as possible limit ourselves to what Christ did because we are imitators of Christ. We're not imitators of a denomination. We are not even imitators of, uh, you see. And finally, as I was just kids, you know, If you recall, when Constantinople was defeated, the Pope at that time, the Pope at that time, one of the things he said is, you know, he he was a lament. He was saying, could it be that it is because of this uh, uh, veneration of angels and holy icons that God is displeased with us and allowed these Muslim hordes to defeat us? I'll end there. Thank you very much. God bless you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I think everyone would agree that this is just one of those topics that... We've done justice to it, but we are going to come back to it at some point because it seems that there is still so much that can be said. I suddenly have many questions. I have a question about the the incorruptibles and those relics that that people pass around. And some people venerate the relics. I don't know if I'm using the right word, venerate, but they they believe that those relics have some power to heal. And indeed, St. Paul had a handkerchief which he sent around and those handkerchiefs when there were, was it St. Paul or St. Peter, when they were waved around, people got healed. There is yeah. still so much. The word of God is unsearchable. The Bible is so huge. We've scratched the surface, but hopefully we can get back to it. Can we take some questions from the audience? Uh, they've been, I've been seeing this, some of these questions being flashed. Uh, I wonder if the technicians who are helping us can put up some of those questions so that they can be addressed.
0: Uh, Stephen, post really- with some questions. Yes, Steven, can yes you? Yes, yes, okay. I, 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 you can yeah. look at the chat and, and go through the questions. Okay, no, maybe you can read them out. Probably read them by- out. Maybe we maybe read them out to uh, the elegant stallion. Okay.
1: Okay. So someone asked a question. Can Reverend Ojifo explain if there was anywhere in scripture where either Jesus or apostles used any form of image to pray or worship? I would like to know about the New Testament scripture, please. Uh,
0: Just before you answer. Can we have two questions so that... I can't see see the elegant stallion. You're no longer appearing. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I don't know what's
2: happening. Okay, okay there okay, okay. Now, you. yes, I want, let's have several questions so that he can go from one to the other and and, and the ones Reno can answer very quickly, please.
0: Okay, Stephen, can you give us like maybe a couple of more questions? Like maybe two more? Would two okay. more be okay? Yeah.
1: Yes. There was, a- there was one asked for you, sir, uh, for, for Mr. Reno. Uh, Reno, I have, I have a question for you. You said we should pray without emotions. How can we pray without feelings maybe you can teach us
2: okay uh, let's take these two before we run out of
1: time completely let's deal with these two please okay can i go first <laughs> yes please okay thank you so the question i asking if there's anywhere in the scripture in the new testament where we are asked to pray with images now that's that's the problem of biblical literalism when you want to read the bible word for word everything for word, so you expect jesus christ to tell you that you should have bread and tea as your breakfast in the morning you want to see in the bible where you are told that you swallow um semovita and and egusi soup in the afternoon or you want to tell you want to look for somewhere in the bible where jesus tells you that you have to go for your 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 church's convention and um, once a year or something like that like the Bible is not going to give you every single detail. And that's why we have to read the mind of the Bible, understand the mind of the Bible. So what, I mean, Renault agrees that images are scattered all over scriptures. The problem he has is whether we are told to use those images as aids to prayer. Let me go back to Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 to 9, where God commanded Moses to make the bronze serpent. If God wanted to heal the people who were beaten by the snakes, he could have done that because, I mean, the one who created the universe by just his powerful word. Can he not command healing upon the people? Why did he ask Moses to make that bronze serpent? That's an image of something, because you now go to the New Testament, John chapter 3, 14 to 15, where Jesus had to make reference to that Old Testament scripture. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so will the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross, so that everyone who looks up to him, the same way the Israelites looked up to the bronze serpent, will be saved. So, That's an image in an Old Testament that has a relevance in the New Testament. If Jesus can make an explicit reference of a bronze serpent in the Old Testament, using it to even refer to himself, lifted up on the cross, do we need to now wait for Jesus to tell us that images have a place within the worldview of our spiritual experience? That's one. The second, and which is where I'll probably stop, the Bible passage I will take will be Acts chapter 17, verse 16 to 34 particularly verse 22 to 23, where Paul was in Athens at the Council of the Areopagus, And then he was speaking to them. And then he said to them, as I walked through your cities and admired your sacred monument. This is St. Paul, a follower of Jesus Christ, saying he's admiring the sacred monument of the pagans in Athens. I admired your sacred monuments. I saw an altar on which it is written to an unknown God. So there's an altar. There are monuments there, and there's an altar to an unknown God. He says, that which you worship, even without knowing, is the God that I now proclaim to you. So, you can see the transposition. Paul is using an altar in a pagan city dedicated to an unknown God to say, that God that you do not know, but that you worship, is the same God that I have now brought to you. So, I'm saying... Look at the worldview of the Bible, the spiritual worldview. What is the Bible saying to us by giving us images? Which goes to the point I am making that, which is why we call these things sacramentals in our Catholic Church, meaning that an invisible sign of an invisible reality, something that we can see, but connecting us to something that we cannot see. But let me end with a very important thing that Reno said, that I think that I I should address, where he says that Jesus did not give um, any special role in his ministry to his mother, Mary. We don't know what Mary looks like. And I'm saying, do we know how Danfodio, Usman Danfodio looks like? Were we in existence when he was in existence in the 1800s and 1900s? But today we see pictures of um, of, of, um, Usman Danfodio, of Amadou Bello, of... um, Namdi Azikiwe, even of children who were not born, and they are able to tell them that this is the image of, of Namdi Azikiwe, this is the image of Amilo Kanu, and we believe it. But then, we don't want to agree that of people who existed in the time of Jesus, because we do not have iPhone 13 Pro Max, we cannot know their images. Did God not reveal himself throughout history to special people? Has God not revealed himself in the 2000 years of Christianity? Is God not constantly revealing himself Many of the places that my friend and brother Reno has traveled to are places that are very important for Christian heritage, where important things have happened in the history of Christianity. Why? I mean, what's the point of going to those places if there is not a special manifestation of God in a particular place or in the life of a particular person? And then to say that God did not give Mary a special role, three places I will mention in Scripture. First, John chapter 2, verse 1 to Wedding feast at Cana in Galilee. Who was the one who made that intercession that made Jesus to perform his first miracle? Even when it he was, was Mary. Married? It was Mary. That's number one. Did we not find Mary at the foot of the cross, did we not find Mary in the upper room with the disciples preparing for Pentecost. Why was? Why did the acts of the apostles have to mention? Why did they have to mention Mary? Because she was the one who conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and only she can guide the apostles to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost day. So that statement in the Bible about Jesus saying, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and keep it. It's a very powerful confirmation of the importance of Mary in the salvific ministry of Jesus. To say, oh, who right. else did the will of we God in this world better than Mary? Friend, Tell me that other person. Who did the will of God in this world better than reno. the mother of God?
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Very powerful argument, here. Yeah. Reno, your turn, sir
0: well um, so um the issue is this um uh, we know what Uthman Danfodio looks like, and that's why I like to deal with uh, facts. You know what I've researched. Um, Uthman Danfodio was actually photographed in his lifetime, and I'm not sure that it's um, it's it's appropriate to compare um, Uthman Danfodio with Mary. You know, even in the Quran, they have an Ayat Maryam, a whole uh, chapter uh, written about Mary. So I'm not very sure it's uh, it's right to do that. You know, but what I said is that Mary, as a person, we do not know what she looked like and even beyond that scripture does not tell us to uh venerate her and make images uh, about her and i've I've said enough about that so i don't want to repeat myself you know now uh, going to the question that was asked you know it it said that uh, i should teach uh, you how to pray with emotions you have to understand that you know, we go by scripture and in scripture, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. What pleases God is not emotions. What pleases God is faith. So the only thing God is looking for in your prayer is faith. That's why the fastest prayer to be answered was the prayer of the woman with the issue of blood. She did not even speak. She just said within her heart, so she did not, if there was no, there were no words. So all God saw or felt was the faith. And then, you know, if you look at the situation when um, uh, after the feeding of the 5,000 men, you know, when uh, Christ was now going over the sea, you know, to the boats, you know, when Peter saw him, you know, and then Peter is not even his real name, it's a made up name, the, you know, I, I don't know why, they, but the real name is Cephas. Uh, when Cephas saw him, You know, and then um, the other disciple said, oh, it's a ghost. And then, you know, Kephas said, "Uh, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. And then he bade him. And then so by faith, you know, Kephas, who is called Peter in the European Bible, began to walk. But what happened when he saw the wind boisterous, he began to be afraid. What is afraid? Fear. Fear. What is fear? An emotion. So when emotion came into being, he said to sink. But when he was dealing with only faith, he was walking. Now, you have to understand this, is that, you know, you see, if it begins to rain right now, you're going to stay in your house. You're not going to go out. You're going to wait for the rain to stop before you go out. Why? Because the rain is temporary. So now, when you are feeling afraid, it's like you're, you're raining. You know, it is rain. You know, anger, fear, depression, you know, overexcitement, these are emotions now, emotions are not permanent features in your life. They don't, they, don't, they don't live with you. If you entertain them, they will stay longer. If you starve them, they're going to go. So that's why, when, if you see, the only prayer of Christ that God did not answer was the emotional prayer at the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Eli, Eli, this is in the Hebrew, lama tabak So God is not looking at emotions what god looks at in the in Aprilia, only one thing only one thing and that's faith that's faith and that's why we have been told in scripture you know that without faith it's impossible to please god you read mark chapter 11 verse 23 it says whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt. What is that? What is that? Faith, and shall not doubt, is that. but shall believe. So it does not say that you, you so. Now, you read in some scriptures now where it talks about where we cry out to God. Now, it's not talking about when you cry out that you're crying. No, you see, Scripture was not written in English; it was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. So that cry out is referring to when you are speaking out to God, and then even at that, it is really that you cry out to God, you know, for forgiveness. So, but when you are, you see, when you are praying for things, you are, you are they call them uh, um, request prayers. You know, when you are praying for things. You know, those prayers, it doesn't even need to be very, very long. You know, all you are, because Christ told us in, in Matthew chapter 5, he says that even before you begin to pray, I'm sorry, not Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, even before you begin to pray, God already knows what you are going to pray for. So he's not even listening, he's not even looking for your words, he's looking for your faith. I hope I answered that person. And was there, one more, was there one more question or did we deal with all the questions now? i think that i think those were the main questions
2: but you've Hello. caused me to you've caused me to Hello? have more questions than i i have Hello. answered can you hear me yeah. I, I don't think that that Hello? reason and and emotions are, that that are mutually Hello? exclusive Hello? i think that they all go together can you hear me yeah,
1: okay I can hear can you
2: hear me? okay and, and and the thing is that the, god answers me when i cry there's a certain kind of cry that i do and he answers immediately. It's just that like, I try not to do it too many times because then he knows I'm putting it on. Because he, he answers very quickly to that kind yeah, of cry. So I don't, I don't. You're causing me to have
0: more questions, Renno. Right no, no, no. He's not answering you because you cry. That cry is for you. He's That's answering so. because you had faith. So I'll give you an yes. example. If you, if, if 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 you cry and you are having faith, it's just like a woman with the issue of blood you know the blood was still there but she had faith so when you're crying and you have faith or maybe i'll give you an, a very good example you know you know, like uh, um just when you're praying there it is not the crying it is not the crying it is the faith okay. so okay. another you can cry without faith can can do a mechanical prayer you know can just yeah. do a, a, when you say mechanical prayer any prayer without faith is a mechanical prayer and so you can cry and cry and cry. I mean, you go back to 2 Kings, you see what Elisha told the uh, prophet of Baal. He said, ah, well, maybe you should cry out louder. Perhaps your God is sleeping. <laughs> so it, he it, went it, to it, the market. <laughs> it, exactly. went to the market, but as he was sleeping here. Yeah. Okay. I, I hope I clarified that, Elegant Stallion. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Very well, too. Oh, Thank gosh. You've you, you frozen up again. Uh it's 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 got to be
2: network or it's got to be network. I don't see oh anything gosh. that Yeah, hello. Can, can you hear you me now? You frozen you. up. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, I can hear, hear you now. Know. How much, you how much time do we have? You know we started late. So, how much time do we have? Let's see if we can take more questions. Devin, can you answer that
0: question for us? How much time do we have left?
1: Steven? Yeah, I believe uh, maybe like uh, t- 20 minutes.
2: Oh, okay. That's that's plenty of time. Can we take more questions then because I see them coming up. Okay. Can I make a quick
1: response or do we have to wait for the question? Go ahead before he comes on. Go ahead, sir. Okay, thank you. Um, the whole, the whole, um, what brought about this whole discussion about emotion was my opening statement that there is an emotional side of religion. And I use the word logic also, that, that prayer is logical, which is why Jesus taught the science and the art of prayer. It requires the following of certain rules. And that's why he taught parables about prayer, where he, he gave us the parable of the tax collector and the... Um, the, the, the um, Pharisee who went to the temple to pray. Why did God answer the prayer of one and did not answer the other? It's science, meaning that you follow certain rules. Jesus thought about perseverance in prayer the the, the um, friend who went to his friend in the night to say, I've just got a friend visiting me. Please can you give me some bread? And Jesus says, if that man doesn't get up from bed in the middle of the night to give that to his friend what he's asking for, the persistence of his friend will make him. If you continue to knock on that door, the man will come out because you will disturb him, he will not sleep, his children will not sleep. That's what science about prayer. That's following certain rules to get what you want what you want God to, to do for you. So there's an emotional side of religion and it's a very important side of religion because we are not we are not monads we are not we are not um, we are not robots we are human beings and God has given emotions to us even Jesus Christ expressed emotions he cried when Lazarus died he knew he was going to raise, raise Lazarus up why did he have to cry Jesus cried on the cross that's emotion he's expressing at the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating blood. What other emotion? What other is that not emotion? There are sums of lament in the in the Old Testament. People who are shedding tears is the people of Israel in Babylon under the weight of slavery. They were crying to God for liberation. Yes, faith is important. There's no dispute about that among us. That faith is the bedrock of answered prayer. But faith does not dispense with emotions. People have to express how they feel to God. When God said to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people in Israel. I have heard, I have seen what their taskmasters are doing to them. I want you to go and release them. Why did God, where the people of Israel, of Israel, who had not even known this God, who was coming to liberate them, did they even know about him? they even have faith in him? What did God hear? Not their faith in the first place, because they didn't know him. What he heard was their cry. I have heard the cry of my people in Egypt. That's why I want to go and save them. But all of the healing of Jesus in the New Testament, we don't know of people who were expressing emotion. The raising of Lazarus, the Syrophoenician woman who was crying about her daughter who who was sick and said, Jesus, please come and heal him. The lepers who cried to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Even the woman with the issue of blood, was it not faith and emotion that led her to Jesus? The woman who was so there are hundreds of...
2: We have decided that both are not mutually exclusive. exclusive.
1: We right. have come yeah, to the uh, conclusion
2: that both are needed and can go together. But the point that Rendo was making, I think, was that you can do all the crime you want to do if there is no faith okay. there, God I is not. Going to be moved we have both agreed on that.
1: Faith is. No, no I expensive. think we are
2: all too. on the same page. Yeah. Can I you? Go ahead.
0: Okay. So you want to say um, something, Yes, let, let me respond to him. You see, um, but he, the first thing that he mentioned was Lazarus. Now, Christ did not cry because Lazarus had died. No, that's not why he cried. If you read the verse, that's, that's, that, that's in John chapter 11. He knew Lazarus had died three days before. He told his disciples, even when he was not there he knew what made him cry and you read it you read it in the verse before when he told his sister that you will um that uh that you know that uh, he she was going to see her brother again and then her sister told him that i know i will see um uh, my brother again and i said lord if you were here If you were here, my brother would not have died. And then Christ Christ wept. Why did he weep? He wept because of the unbelief of Lazarus' sister. Because she believed that Christ needed to be there for her brother to be healed. Now, you go back to the the, the issue of um, the uh, Roman centurion. Why did Christ say that that Roman centurion had more faith than anybody in Israel? Because... When the Roman centurion told him about his servant, Christ said, okay, I will come with you. And then the man told him, no, don't come with me. Only speak the word, and then my yes. servant will be healed. Now, that was faith. But you see, the reverse was what was happening with Lazarus' sister. She was saying that you needed to be physically present here before your power can work. Your power cannot work when you're not physically present. And so, you see, Hebrews 11, 6, Without faith, it is impossible to to please God. Also, the opposite of that is true. Doubt, doubt hurts God. So Christ was not crying because Lazarus had died. He was crying because of the unbelief, the unfaithfulness of his sister. It was that doubt. You know that she, she believed that he had to be here. And then you mentioned the Syrophoenician woman. Look, the Syrophoenician woman, she came crying and she came crying and she came crying. But what did Christ tell her at the end? He said, Go. for your faith your daughter has been healed he did not say go and read it there It's in that verse he said for your faith he did not tell her for your crying he said for your faith you also mentioned the lepers what did christ tell the lepers he said believe that i am able to do this and they said yes he said okay go your faith has made you whole not your crying then he also mentioned when the children of Israel were crying in, um, in Israel. No, it was not the literal crying that, 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 that the scripture was talking about. And this is why I encourage people. And when I say this, I you know it kind of upsets me sometimes. So people say that I'm boasting. I said, but why? Why do you say I'm boasting? I read scripture in the original languages. It's not a matter of boast. I do it because I love God. Now, when you read it in the original languages... The word that you are using there is not the crying of weeping, emotional. It is that they are speaking crying out of to their praying. So what I'm saying there is this, is that God is looking at only faith. I don't, I mean, I'm not going to now say, okay, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. No, this is what I mean. The only thing that God is looking for in your prayer is faith. Without faith, your prayer is mechanical. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right, we maybe have uh, 10,
2: 15 minutes left. Um, Both our, our, our panelists, I mean, you're just powerhouses here. You're both men of God, versed in the Bible, the word of God. And we've been blessed today by this debate and the arguments that have ensued and the way that it has been done with love and understanding and friendship and cooperation, knowing that we all serve the living God. I'm very privileged to be a part of it. Whilst uh, the questions are coming, I'd just like to share with you my book. It's called My Father's Daughter. This is what it looks like. That was me, just maybe last year. That was what I looked like last year. Um, So you know. (laughs) And um, when I say my father's daughter is really not just my earthly father. My earthly father and the love he bestowed on me led me to begin to imagine what the love of the Lord was like because I was so loved by my earthly father and I thought, well, he's a human being with with all his faults and everything. The love of my heavenly father has to be the purest and the most beautiful and the most awesome and it has turned out to be like that. So I use stories of my life. It's my memoir. I will be 70 next january and so i felt it was time to write it and i used the lessons some of the good things and some of the bad things that i've gone through and the lessons i learned from them but you see a thread running through and that is the work of the almighty god in my life in everybody's life because we are all created for a purpose So I would encourage you, if you have a chance, it's on Amazon. I'd also, at the end of the program, give you a number where you can reach us and we'll make sure that it gets to you at a discounted rate. I I know that um, Reno has a a little girl that he dotes on. Uh, she's my my granddaughter, and she's beautiful. So when I say talk about father's love, Reno understands. And and as Abella grows up, believe me, she would appreciate the love of Almighty God because of the love that her parents are showering on her. And I'd like to reach out to everyone in this audience. If you have a child love them if you have a child near you love them particularly fathers and daughters it's a special thing that we share and we daughters are the best even if they're married they'll still think about their parents they'll still look after their parents. boys are good too unfortunately for well and I, I wouldn't say unfortunately i have i raised three boys i have two of my own but uh, i don't have the girl but now i have little ebele coming up there's hope for me so there you are are we ready for more questions please uh, no, 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 no. Before you go, ca- can you give them the number, the phone number now, and then also if okay. you in the end. Okay, all right. Okay, that's fine. That's zero eight one
0: oh, no. zero
2: nine zero four zero eight one five. I repeat, zero eight one zero nine zero four. 0815. Just reach me, leave a message there, and I shall attend to you personally. Yes, that's the correct number on the screen right now. Somebody
0: I will personally don't, don't, don't attend to you. Yes. So you can read
2: it. Yeah. So there you go. It's been a wonderful afternoon. Can we please take a few more questions? Because uh I'm sure there are many more um, coming from the audience. Our technical people, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm looking for the questions. Keep us with more questions. Are the questions coming? Okay,
1: uh, there's a question uh, from Dominic. Okay. My question to the Reverend, which is more important to pray, emotions or faith? Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, emotions and faith are not mutually exclusive in prayer because it is human beings who are expressing their desires, their wishes, their intentions, their petitions, their pleas to God. And I mean, do we not see? Look at the the the, the story of um, um of Hannah in the in the Bible. Is it Hannah or Sarah? Sarah, the mother of, of Samuel, how did God grant her petition? Hannah. Hannah, how did God grant her a petition? She she, she cried, but she expressed faith. So faith and emotions are not mutually exclusive in prayer. Unless you are not moved by the circumstances under which you are praying, that's when you will not express any emotions in prayer. Mm -hmm. Prayer in itself, which is the raising up of our minds and our hearts to God, necessarily involves the raising up of of our entire selves, your mind, your intelligence, your will, your emotions, everything that is constitutive of the human person comes into the act of prayer, which is why the apostles of Jesus, they saw Jesus in the act of prayer, the way he was praying. They were moved by his way of prayer and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. He wasn't praying in any mechanical way. He was bringing his whole being into the mood of prayer. So I'm saying that there is no debate about the fact that Faith is foundational for prayer. Hebrews 11, 1, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For That's anyone pain. who comes into God's presence must first believe that he exists and that he repays everyone pray. who sincerely searches for him. So there is no doubt about the fact that you need faith for prayer. It's a foundation for every prayer. But it doesn't mean that if you have faith, it means that your emotions are totally taken away. It's not It's not true.
2: Can I, can I ask you? that is faith not a kind of an emotion?
1: Absolutely, faith. absolutely. Faith is an emotion because if faith is what connects me to God, it is not just a rational thing. It's a thing of my heart, so it necessarily involves yes. my emotions. Yeah. Can, can I respond Thank to that? You. Yes.
0: No, faith is not an emotion. You know, faith is a spiritual aspect of us. So, like, again, if you read the book of Job, Job 32, eight, it says, there is a spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty that gives him inspiration. So that's talking about faith. Now, if you go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it talks about that God has given to every man, you know, a measure of faith. Yeah. A measure of faith. You know, it's giving to every man a measure of faith. So what, what what we have to try to understand is that emotions are part of. So like man is a tripartite being. So man is as a spirit, body, and soul. Emotions exist in the soulish realm. So that is why when you see people talking about emotion, they say that, that my soul, my soul, my soul. Then there's another aspect you see people talking about my spirit, my spirit. You know, so that's why again Christ said in John chapter 4. He said that, that for God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then you see Christ saying it again in John chapter 6. He says that, you know, we start from the verse 50, and you keep on going. He says that it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh, and what is the flesh? The flesh includes the, the body and the soul, profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So emotion is not, um, sorry, faith is not an emotion, no, faith is, I'll give you an example now, emotions, the reason why, you know, um, you can't do things in emotions is that emotions are fleeting, they are unstable, they are temporary, but faith is not, faith is permanent, and that's the difference, so for instance, when you see somebody and say, oh, you are very, very emotional, what you're saying to that person is that you are an unstable person you are acting on emotions and you don't know what because it's like the weather you don't know what that person can be like today or what can be like tomorrow because they are based on emotion but when you're talking that somebody is a faithful person then what it means for instance now you say ah, this is my staff He's a faithful worker what it means is that if he wakes up in the morning and he feels angry he is still going to turn up to work that is faith. If he wakes up in the morning and he feels happy, he will still turn up to work. But when you say this man is an emotional worker, so when he wakes up in the day and then he feels one kind, he will call, pick up the phone and calls us. I don't feel well. So that's the difference. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is a spiritual dream. In fact, if you read the book of Galatians chapter five, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. You know, and then when you look at the fruit of the spirit, you begin to see that. Faith itself is from the spirit. It's not an emotion. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The same I'm Jesus
1: Christ, I'm The same Jesus Christ who says that it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh has nothing to offer. How to come to the world, into the world in the flesh. He had to die in the flesh. If we push, if the point is understanding statements in their context. If you push that statement, is it the spirit that gives life? The flesh has nothing to offer. Why did Jesus take on human flesh? Why did he die in our flesh? So it is a question of context. If you take the text, every text has a context. If you take the text out of its context, that is simply Gnosticism. It's a first century, second century heresy that says that because of our fallen human nature, our flesh, our body has nothing to do with our salvation. That it is only the spirit that can connect us to God. But God created us with two constitutive elements, with a bodily material element and with a spiritual element. And we can see even Jesus Christ using material elements, bodily elements to perform to, to perform his miracles. He lived his life in the flesh. So the point is understanding statements in their context. When Jesus was talking to that Samaritan woman, uh, that's John's Gospel, Gospel chapter 4, where he's saying that, he says, a time will come when people will no, no longer worship God here in Samaria or in Jerusalem, but we worship God in spirit and in truth. If Jesus meant that there will be no longer be places of worship, no longer temples, no longer places of worship, why are we still building churches today? The fact is, we have to understand that statement in its context. If Jesus says they will not worship God in Samaria or in Jerusalem, but in spirit and in truth, was he saying that there will no longer be places of worship? Was he saying that the flesh will no longer be important in our in our worship of God. So, the point is about context. The same Jesus who says the flesh is of no avail. Came in the flesh and died in the flesh. Was he contradicting himself? Hmm.
0: Let me respond to that so that people will get an understanding. Christ came to die for our sins because a physical man brought us into sin. So, if you read the book of John, you know, chapter one. You know, and if also if you read, it's also in the other gospels. But you see, a lot of people make the mistake and say Christ came to die for our sins. No, Christ did not come to die for our sins. Christ came to die for our sin. That's why uh, John the Baptist said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who came to die for the sin." It doesn't say sins. Go ahead and read that verse. For the sin of the world, he came to die for the sin of Adam. It is not. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners, we were born in sin. So it is that it goes down to back to that beginning. That's why Christ came to die. Now, when Christ was talking to the Samaritan woman and he said that a time is coming whereby you shall not, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem pray. He was talking about the act of Christianity whereby, look at that word, the body of Christ. You know, the body of Christ, Ecclesia, Ecclesia. That the ecclesia is not a building. The ecclesia is within us. The kingdom of God is within us. So when we have faith in our spirit, you see, so that's why he say that that you know that for God is a spirit, that they that worship him was comfortable. So it's like some people now when they call the church, the the, what they call the physical um um, um, structure, the church. No, that's not the church, the church is Reverend Ojaifo. Uh, and then the elegant style of Noye Kaweno and Renault Mockery and all these wonderful, handsome, beautiful people who are here with us, all of us believing together. That's why you said Matthew eighteen eighteen, go going all the way to 19, where to are gathered in my name? You know, it is that yeah, gathering, place. yeah, that's what Christ is mentioned, that is the context. So again, I say it's very clear, you, I mean, you don't have to take my word, go back and read Galatians chapter 5, read it all the way to the end faith is not an emotion faith is a spiritual virtue thank you very much god bless you wow um i think we're just about coming
2: to the end of this meeting what a great meeting it has been uh, let's go back to the original uh, topic we had is it right to pray to images the clarifications came tumbling out you are not praying to the images You are using the image as a representation of the spiritual side, which you cannot see. And that is how you are connecting. You are not necessarily praying to those images. That was part of what I heard. And Reno debated that there was just no point for those images at all. You serve God, you worship him in spirit and in truth, and that simply should be enough i added that the veneration of of statues of veneration of saints and praying to angels also was one of the things i found confusing about the catholic church but those i think i have a clearer understanding of the context in which such such prayers are made and in which the church sanctions it i still am, i still have a lot a long way to go and that's why i said that at some point if you don't mind that we will come back and revisit this issue, and maybe bring someone outside the two wonderful panelists. My God, your guys are strong. I mean, when Reno is talking, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the Reverend is talking, I'm like, yeah, you are both right. And that's the beauty of an argument that is done with the right intentions. So I'd like to thank you for inviting me to moderate uh, this meeting. I've learned a lot. I have learned a lot. You are never too old to learn, and you never stop learning. And I hope that the audience. And I could see your comments and the the level of your participation was actually quite um, energizing. Uh, I saw all the arguments that came tumbling out. Uh, Some of them I didn't quite read very well. Some of them were funny. Uh, Some compliments. Yes, thank you very much. I'm aging gracefully. Glory be to God. May we all age gracefully. I'd like to say to people, you know, you should respect old age, you see, because if you don't grow old, you die young. Nobody wants to die young. May we all grow old gracefully and grow with even greater knowledge. May the church continue to serve the people that it's placed here to do and to reach out to them. That's one beautiful thing I love about the Catholic Church is the outreach to people and helping people all over the world. Um, I don't want to say exclusively that's a Catholic thing, but it's one of the things I admire. Reno, you've done very well. Truly, you're a man of God and widely read may you continue in this your strength and giving us this kind of platform to come together every now and then you're serving god and you're serving humanity reverend thank you are, you are just
0: one you're too thank much. you thank you thank I you all. just before i go mm-hmm. i saw someone asking for a complimentary copy of the book you have to understand yes. something you know if look at how much money Whiskey, Davido, and all of these people are earning right now. They are earning all this money because people like Onyeka Oenu, Sonia, Ade, uh, Sunny Okosu, and uh, Fela, uh, Fela Kute, they built up the Nigeria, Nigerian music industry. But you know, in all fairness, they did not have the kinds of remunerations that people like oh, Whiskey and Co are getting now. And so, you know, it's it, we are not we don't want to wait until when they die before they benefit from their labels. So if to start asking for a complimentary copy, you're not being fair to her. Let her enjoy the fruit of her labor. Now, I have copies of the book too. You know, I, I have copies of the book. If everybody starts getting complimentary copy, how is Auntie Yonye Kaumini going to make money? So please, uh, I urge all of you, uh, please, you know, it's not too expensive. Don't ask for complimentary copy. Buy the book. Let her chop, you know, for my labors while she's still alive. It's not when she dies that we'll now start saying, oh, what a lovely woman she was. One love really blew me apart. Iyogogo Gogo took me here. Reach out into your pockets and Iyogogo, Gogo, the woman. Mm-hmm. I promise you, it's a beautiful book.
2: And very enjoyable to read, and you will learn a lot. It will blow your mind, I assure you. Um, they, they I buy, they, they Dubai, the the first the number sorry to the number zero eight one zero nine zero four zero eight one five. You would love it. You would. I promise you that. The first edition is only 6000 uh, naira. The second edition is 12000 naira. Printing books in Nigeria. The publishers don't do nothing for you. You are financing everything. It's very expensive, but it's worth doing because at the end of the day, let people learn from your experiences, let them learn from your your mistakes, let them learn from The things you've done right, uh, I did it for the younger generation. It's a very, very important book to me in that way. So I encourage you to spend that money on it. You won't regret it.
0: Um, Can you now give us your commitment that you will buy?
1: Give us your commitment that you are buying the book. This book? Yes. I am buying 20 (laughs) copies of the book and I will distribute them to people who want i'll buy 20 copies so I, will, I don't know how to find a way to send to some people who are asking for complimentary copies i will i will if you get their numbers we'll, of we'll the, the chat we will collect their addresses once they, i have their addresses
2: i will mail i will send it directly i'll autograph them and send directly Great.
1: excellent but excellent you thank, you. thank you so much ma. thank you thank i will you. connect with you That's afterwards
2: that's wonderful all
1: right (laughs) thank you everybody all right thank Thank you everyone God bless you thank you everybody see you next month hopefully yeah
0: oh please reverend before we go can you
1: just say what before we go all right okay Thank thank you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen God our heavenly father we thank you for this day we thank you for your blessings we thank you for all the graces that you have given to us to search for you to seek you to knock at your door to find your help to find light to be guided in the path of salvation we thank you for the inspiring session we have had this day we thank you for enriching us with your wisdom with your knowledge for better understanding of your word of your will for our lives and for your design for all that you want us to do continue to support us with your holy grace guide and direct us in all our efforts to please you May our lives and all we do be acceptable to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank Thank you, you everybody. God bless you. All right.
1: Yeah. Bye.
2: Bye bye.